Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is that you find yourself here. Welcome to the Sneaky Emu. This is episode number 63 that we're going to call Merry Christmas. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Welcome to Earth. Uh, a couple things before we get started. I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that you're here and we're alive and we're getting closer every second towards the big day of Christ Mass. Christ Mass. Uh, <clears throat> that's good. That's cool. That's a good thing. The bad news, slightly bad news, I don't, depending on who you ask, I guess, is that I think we're going to call this like the last, the last podcast of the year. Yeah, the last podcast of the year. I, I'm ready to take a, a break uh, for uh, a week or two. I won't be like taking a real break. I just won't be recording a podcast. I'm sorry. I know both of you will be really sad. <laughs> but <laughs> both of my adoring fans will be really sad uh, that, that we're taking a break. But we'll be back in January and uh, talking about some new things. So I think that's a good thing because you got to have rhythm. You got to have ebbs and flows in your life. You can't be on all the time. Sometimes that's the problem with social media and uh, people creating followers and all this stuff is that you have to be on all the time. So I'm not going to operate like that. I don't want to buy into all that garbage way of thinking. I want to I want to honor and respect and build in rhythms into my life, into my days, into my weeks, into my years where sometimes we work and sometimes we don't. That's actually a a biblical principle, by the way, that whole like Sabbath thing. Even Jesus says Sabbath was not made for man, but wait, no, man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. There's something about who we are and how we've been created that we need this rhythm and this flow of working and then not working. So I've been working and now I'm going to take a chance to not work a little bit. I'll still keep doing my day job, you know, that sort of thing, the normal sorts of things. But as far as this extracurricular stuff, I'm going to take, take, a little, take a little break, a couple weeks. I'll be back. I'm sure uh, there's a podcast or 10 that you could catch up on, I'm assuming. Anyways, Mom, thanks for listening. Episode number 63. <laughs> Let's get into it, shall we? So today, in the kind of the, <clears throat> the last hurrah here before Christmas and before my little break, um, I, I, I kind of want to, I want to recap a thing that I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about in, in a sermon, and then I want to add a few more pieces to it, which will actually, I, I might end up using in the Christmas Eve service. It was stuff I've come across. I thought, you know what? I'll run it by the podcasters. I'll get all of their feedback, and then I'll determine whether or not uh, it's, it's workable or usable. So this is like kind of a running, working idea that I'm putting into place that I've just stumbled across. I thought, oh, there's something... There's, there's something really cool there that, that could come out of all this, okay? So what I want to do is talk about uh, this thing that I'm getting ready to talk about, and that is this, uh, and, and this really isn't, um, I, I didn't discover this. I discovered this via somebody else who discovered it, as most of us do with most things. But it's a guy named Dr. Alexander Shia, and he talks about this, how the ancient, ancient, I don't know that they were ancient. The early Christians had a particular practice or tradition that they participated in on December 24th through the 25th. 
Now, this is after, um, I'm assuming this would be after the 1500s-ish because they would have switched to the Gregorian calendar rather than the Julian calendar, whatever. So here's what they would do. Let me go through that <coughs> in, in kind of summary, and then um, I'll get into the, the other little bits, okay? So, and this is kind of neat. I actually thought maybe this is something I should do with my family. I don't know if my kids are quite there yet or if we should just start it and they'll, they'll grow into it. Who knows? Kind of a cool thing. Uh, maybe something you could, you could do with your family as well. So what they would do is starting December 24th, Okay, in the evening after sundown on December 24th, they would they would start reading through the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. And what you see in Matthew chapter 1 is this long genealogy, this uh, the, the, the genealogy of Jesus, starting with Jesus, not starting with Jesus. You can't start with him. You have to end with him. <laughs> uh, but it goes through, it's like 16 verses of name after name after name. Should I, I guess I could pull it up and I don't know that you necessarily want me to read the whole thing, but where am I? Let's see here. Okay. So it starts with uh, Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers kind of keeps going like that for 16 verses. This is riveting stuff as a reader, <laughs> but what you see as you go through it is that there are, if you've ever read through this. There's four women who are mentioned in this genealogy, and then King uh, David is mentioned twice. And so what you see with the four women is that they're all, they all have like some sort of scandal surrounding them. They all have some sort of uh, blemish, tarnish on their reputation. The women are, uh, what is it, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Tamar had this whole thing she went through. She eventually... Uh, tricked her father-in-law, pretending to be a prostitute. She tricked her father and father-in-law into sleeping with her, and it it, it was a whole thing. You know what I'm saying? It's just a whole thing. You know how you do. Sometimes, sometimes you trick your father-in-law into getting you pregnant. It's like a Jerry Springer show. So you have her, then you have Rahab. Rahab is a Canaanite woman who would have been an enemy of Israel. Who, uh, if you remember, helped the Israelites out. Uh, she was an actual prostitute. Then you have um, Ruth. Ruth is an interesting one because Ruth is always like this woman that people look up to, which is cool. Yeah, I get it. She's she's like <clears throat> people have been studying and writing books about her forever. But what's interesting about her is that she's listed as a Moabite. Uh, uh, Moabites are people, Mo, the Moabite people were a product of an incestual relationship. <laughs> so... Uh, if you go back to like Genesis 19, what you have is uh, the daughters of Lot, they get their dad pregnant and then they, uh, no, they don't get their dad pregnant. That'd be weird. That would defy nature. What kind of show is this? What's happening? They would, they got their father drunk, which makes more sense. And then they slept with their dad, got themselves pregnant. And then the one daughter named her son, her, her son Moab. So the Moabites are this entire people group who come from this incestual relationships. So Ruth is a Moabite. She uh, gets married. Some stuff happens. She goes through some difficulty. And then uh, she gets remarried to a guy named Boaz, which is cool. He's this kinsman redeemer. That's a whole different conversation. But Boaz is the son of uh, Rahab, who is the foreigner Canaanite prostitute. 
right? So this is quite the family tree that we're building. And then you get into Bathsheba, who isn't mentioned by name in the story. She's only mentioned as Uriah's wife, but she essentially has a has this affair, commits adultery with David. Um, they lose their first son. They have another son uh, named so- uh, Solomon. And then she gets involved in like this kind of some political like weirdness type stuff that she's a part of. So it's this really interesting group of women that get mentioned in this male genealogy, which would have been a huge deal because women weren't thought highly of at this time. Not only do you have these four women, but on top of that, you have uh, David mentioned twice in the genealogy. The first time he's mentioned as King David. The second time he's just mentioned as David, whose son was Solomon, who was the mother was Uriah's wife. So the first time is about royalty. The second time he's connected to the scandal, which includes adultery and murder. No big deal, except for it is. So they would read this story on December 24th as darkness sets in. Like, why? What? What? (laughs) Why? would? First of all, it's boring. Second of all, what's the point? It's kind of a mess. Well, that's exactly the point. And the idea was that as the darkness was setting in, they would read this story and they would use it as an opportunity to kind of observe, uh, to remember all the ways that, that people, that their people or they themselves have made a mess of things. Look, we've, we've really caused some issues. There's been all kinds of stuff along the way. And so they take that moment as they enter into the darkness to enter into their own darkness and sort and kind of like look at, here's all the ways I've messed up this year, whatever, Here's all the things that I would be super embarrassed about if people found out. But the point, the focus is, is that that dark moment, that that like shame and guilt and what, what embarrassment type stuff, is that if you look at that lineage, that's the lineage that Jesus actually comes from. So there's this larger idea in that as you look into the the all the ways that you've made a mess of things, that... And, and this is kind of getting ahead, but essentially that that's the place that the Christ wants to be born, right? So you enter into the darkness uh, of the day by going into the darkness of the self and your humanity, okay? So that's at, that's at sundown on December 24th. On <clears throat> late into the evening, on the same, same night, like in the depths of night, December 24th, they would get into the second gospel of Christmas, Again, this is uh, primarily uh, Shia's stuff, but and I'm trying to translate it as best I can. Uh, they would get into the second gospel of Christmas, which is Luke. I'm going to try to speed up here for the <laughs> sake of time. And in Luke, they would read the story of the angel appearing to the shepherds. So the shepherds at this time are kind of outcast-type people. They're, um, they're people who, I don't know if you've ever owned sheep or goats. I've owned goats and goats stink. So there are these guys who are outcasts, who are outlaws, who are on the outside of society. They're living, <laughs> they're taking care of their sheep out in the cold darkness of night. And they're people who are basically, uh, would, would be kind of like the rejects, the marginalized. They're very low on the totem pole. They're, they're people, they're guys without much social standing. They're they're the island of misfit toys, um, speaking of Christmas. So it's these guys who the angel appears to to announce the birth of, of the Christ. The angel shows up, gives them this proclamation, 
and they eventually go and see him. But the idea here with this is you read this in, in the darkness of night on the 24th as this reminder, this idea that even in these low points, even in the darkest recesses of the self, even in the cold darkness of winter, even in like um, all, uh, the places within yourself that, uh, that, that uh, I don't know, ashamed, guilt, again, it's kind of the same concept, but it's in those moments that the angel appears and gives this proclamation that unto us a savior has been born, uh, and and he will be um, he will bring great joy to all the people. So the idea is, in the darkness, in in the outcastness, in the all that's wrong with you, the angel appears to give a message of hope. Now there's something bigger to believe in. Something can change. Something new is on the horizon. So that's late into the night on December 24th. Then at dawn on December 25th, as the sun begins to rise, they would get into the third gospel, which is Mark. They would read Mark, and then they would also continue the telling of the story of the shepherds. So Mark doesn't get into the birth story of Jesus, but he does tell the story of Jesus calming the storm. I believe it's in Mark chapter, let me look, 4. Mark chapter 4, you see the story where Jesus gets into a boat with his disciples, they get into the water, and then this crazy storm comes up, the disciples are panicking, they're freaking out, what are we going to do? Um, and then Jesus wakes up, he speaks to the wind and the waves, and it calms the whole thing, and then he's like, oh, how come you guys, how could, don't you believe? <laughs> like, why, do you still have no faith? Do you see what I just did? So they read that story. And then they read uh, the continuation of the story of the shepherds, in which the shepherds, uh, they make the journey through the night. They actually go and they find the Christ child. They, uh, let's see, that's in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning, uh, they spread the word concerning what had been told about, told them about this child. So they go and they actually see the Christ child. So when you put like the the time frame when they would read this, what's happening in the day, what's happening in the season, what's happening in these stories, all these things kind of tie together. So it's December 25th, which means it's three days after solstice at this time of the year, which means they've gone through the darkest time of the year and now the sun is beginning its ascent into the sky. You also have... The, uh, the that actual day, the specifics of that day. They're reading these stories at dawn. You've gone through the through the darkness, and now light is beginning to grow. Then, at this time when they read these stories, the story of the shepherd, uh, the story of of the disciples on the boat. They have this giant storm, this turmoil, that this chaos <clears throat> that Jesus steps into and brings them forward into a moment of peace and calm. And you have the this, this story of the disciples, or the, the story of the shepherds, who travel through the darkness of night and now actually see the Christ child. So this, this third gospel of Mark and, and the, the second story of the shepherds is about this movement, right? You started in the darkness in Matthew. Look, at here's what's wrong. In Luke, you get this message of hope out in the darkness. You receive a message of hope. Then you get into Mark, and that hope becomes this, like, new reality. The hope becomes, um, 
it, it, it moves it moves you from this idea of hoping to this to this seeing to this knowing it moves us from this place of here's an idea here's a hope here's a belief and now let me show it to you now you can actually see it right so that's the third gospel then you wrap up at at in the fullness of day you have the fourth gospel of christmas they would read this section this passage in like the full, like closer to noon ish you know 10 11 12 i don't know i didn't have a watch they didn't have a watch they just looked at the sun so in the fullness of day they would get into the fourth gospel which is john in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god uh, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light that shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it so this <clears throat> this really is to me is is one of the mo- more powerful scriptures in this in this tradition and in this reading because what it's essentially doing is it's attempting to connect them to the two incarnations the incarnation of creation and the incarnation of Christ and and so it becomes this this much bigger thing the idea is that the power um, the power of the birth of Jesus the Christ is is told by the same power that is revealed within the cosmos Right? It's aligning these two things, that this one reality of the birth of the Christ is not just this one thing that happened a long, long time ago. It's that it's this, th- this reality of the birth of Christ is affirming like all reality across all time. It's the birth of Christ is proclaiming what God has been doing since the moment time actually began. And then what you see is in, in Jesus is the combining, the joining of spirit and matter. You have God that is spirit, God that is material, God that is the word, God that has walked among us. Wait, not yet. God that is spirit and immaterial becomes Emmanuel, God with us, becomes Jesus, becomes the material, right? So it's the joining of the two things. And so in in our world, what we often seem to do or what people often seem to do is they have the tendency to separate spirit and matter like when you look at our scientific western american even christian mindsets oftentimes we separate these two things and this is why uh, many people seem to live with this idea that god is like out there that god is distant that god is removed that god is up there somewhere away from us like he's he's not directly connected to who we are or what we're doing but that's that's not really the story. That, that's, not, that's not the story that we see in Jesus. Jesus is a story that's revealing to us the, the joining of spirit and matter. Do, do you see how that might make a difference? And so when you make, when you make the story about um, like a theological concept, you miss out on what the story is in this much, much bigger way. Jesus, the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, confirms, affirms spirit and matter being joined together in our physical reality, right? So Christmas isn't just about this thing that happened this one day, this teenage girl gave birth to this this savior child, right? That's a great story as well, but it doesn't, it's, it's, it's cluing us into the much larger story. It's cluing us into the thing that's been true all along 
when you start with the story of Earth and creation and then realize that the Earth has been telling the same story since the very beginning, it allows you to see how big this thing is. It, the story then becomes about not what happened back then. The story is about what's happening now. It's about what's happening today in front of you. It's, it's happening. It, it, it's a happening and, and, continue, and continuing to happen. Right? It becomes about the entirety of the physical world around you. It becomes about the deepest recesses of your heart. It becomes about you and me and everything in between. Christmas is a story of how God is revealing to us in Christ what creation has been proclaiming the whole time. And what it's been proclaiming <clears throat> the whole time is, is that ultimately, love is the starting point of all things. It's the foundation of all things. Right? That's... That's the story, that the God who is love created everything out of love, created you in the image and likeness of love. It's love that spoke light in the beginning to overcome the darkness of nothingness. It's, lo it's love that showed up in the form of humanity. It's love that breathed into us the breath of life. It's love that shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. So when you put all this together and put it into a line, it's this really beautiful story. It's this really beautiful progression uh, where we address the darkness of the self and of life, and then we, we realize that it's in that darkness that, that grace has not died, but rather grace, it, darkness is a place that grace is now reborn. Uh, thank you, Dr. Shia, for that. Uh, and then it's also the place, it's the story of, of movement, that we move from darkness into a place of hope, and from, <clears throat> from a place of hope into a place of of knowing and seeing, and then we move from knowing and seeing into a place of fullness of life. And so that's that's how they would like walk through the uh, December 24th into December 25th and into, and that's how we'd walk through like this much larger story. That's how you connect to, it's so much bigger than, yes, we just buy presents and we have a meal and we thank God for sending his son, you know, uh, on this particular day. The, the, the Christmas story ties us into what's been going on all along. It affirms what God has been doing the whole time. It's just that now we get to see it up close and personal. We get to understand it. We get to know. We get to know it in a deeper way. We get to know that darkness is not the end because light has come and darkness will not overcome it. Now, Merry Christmas. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the welcome to earth part here. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, there's this uh, pretty cool new show on, I think it's on Disney, maybe, called Welcome to Earth. Have you seen this? It's with Will Smith, right? One of the great American treasures, Will Smith. Will, if you're listening, hey, man, I appreciate you. Because <laughs> Will Smith listens to the sneaky emo. You never know. You never know. Maybe one day. Maybe one day he will. And he'll be like, oh, yeah. So uh, we, me and the kids have started watching this. And we've only watched two episodes so far, but both episodes, not only is it just cool, he's basically, he, the, the premise, if you don't know, is he is this big time movie star guy who hasn't got to get out there and see the world like he would have hoped to or wanted to. And so now he's got the clout and the, uh, <clears throat> the funds to go and do this. So he's taking people, uh, or he's taking himself via other people all around the world and getting to do these, have these really cool experiences 
and see all kinds of cool stuff. And it's like nature travel show type thing. <clears throat> so in the first two of them, that's all we've watched. There's been, there's been some things that he's highlighted that I've actually been really fascinated with. And he concludes each episode with just like a, it's not a monologue, but it's like a, it's just a straight shot of his face in black and white. And then he kind of sums up. And the summary of the second one was so good. And this is what I might actually use for Christmas Eve. <clears throat> so you're kind of getting a sneak peek here. But in the first one, there's a concept he talks about. They're talking about sound. He goes to visit a volcano. And then he begins to talk about infrasound. I'd never heard this term before, but it's quite fascinating. The, the, the simplest version is it, infrasound is a sound that is so low that our human ear cannot, we can't hear it, right? It's beneath our range of hearing. But here's the thing with sound is that sound travels in waves, okay? So they're at this volcano, they're doing this exploring, they're talking about all this stuff, and they, they have this thing that's it's known as the silent roar, because the, the waves, uh, the, the shifting of the earth and the lava that's like stirring and all this stuff, it's generating this, this really deep, low frequency. It's so deep and so low that you can feel it, but you can't hear it. And so it's, it's really, really interesting. They're doing some things, and uh, they've got this guy who's blind with them, at least in this one episode, and the, this blind guy has this whole different perspective and take on this whole thing, a different experience, because he's like hyper tuned into sound waves, right? He can't see, so he has to he has to double down on the listening. He's like daredevil or something, yeah, daredevil, <laughs> daredevil. Anyways, there's a particular moment where they're at the volcano, where um, they get closer and closer to the edge of it, and then Will starts talking about how he can feel this vibration like pulsing, pulsating through him. And they're like, they're recording it. Uh, you, and then they're able to like show back later that that was actually a sound wave. All right, <clears throat> man, excuse me. So again, it's this, it's a sound so deep that they don't, their ears don't register it, but yet their body can sense it and feel it. And I thought, oh, that's a really, really interesting concept. That's a really, it's not a concept, it's a reality. That there is something going on around them, in front of them, that they are, that they are in the middle of. There's something going on that they, that their body is picking up on, that they're trying to tune into. And it's only when that thing that's happening gets to a certain frequency that they can actually hear what that thing actually is. And so when, when we look at this story uh, of, of Christmas and we talk about like even within this tradition of the church and what they were doing in this reading pattern and stuff, when you get into that Gospel of John and this idea of the two creations and how the birth story of Jesus is revealing the thing that's been happening, it's amplifying the thing that's been happening the whole time. I kind of realized like, oh, this is, this is like a, an analogy, a metaphor, a parallel, <clears throat> is that the right words, to infrasound, is that there's this thing going on, this deeper sound that's been happening within all the earth that, that people weren't fully cluing into. 
this deep sound wave that was so deep that we couldn't hear it. It was passing through us, but people, some people were picking up on it, like it, the Celtic people in the fourth and fifth century. They're picking up on it through a different, through a different tone. They hear it, they sense it, they feel it. The the all of creation is 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 making this noise, has this low rumble to it, <clears throat> that's trying to connect them to what God is up to, what God has been doing the whole time. But it's only in the birth of Christ, it's the birth of this child that is. Uh, that comes in at an audible level that we can recognize. It's only in that that we recognize the thing that's already been happening, right? When they hear the sound, the sound is the indicator at the volcano of the thing that they've already been feeling. And so is it possible that you could make this connection that Jesus then becomes the first kind of audible, uh, audible sound wave that we can hear that is the reflection that is the uh, amplification of the thing of the deeper sound wave of the infrasound of the thing that God has been doing all along. I thought, Oh, that's, that's really interesting. <clears throat> you could make a, a strong case. I don't know if a strong case is the right word, but you could make definitely make a connection here that there is a deeper thing that we often sense and feel happening in the world around us that sometimes we struggle to put, uh, a, a name on or a label to we struggle to put into words but it's something that's resonating deep within us like you know truth when you see it you know something is bigger when you see the sunrise over the Grand Canyon you know when you're you know when you're standing on top of a mountain looking out over the earth like there's something majestic and deep there's something deeper there that you might not be able to put into words but you can definitely sense it and feel it like there's something bigger here and so Maybe Jesus then coming into the into the earth, God coming into the earth in the form of man, is the thing that like clues us into the thing that we already sense and feel. He he is the one that is the audible level that we can actually recognize. He is the uh, the particular that reveals to us that which is universal. I thought, wow, good job, Will Smith, on that. It's pretty awesome. Now the second episode. Uh, he gets into, they go, they start going underwater. And he eventually he gets to go in this really cool submarine. And they go way down to, I don't know where they're at in the ocean, but they go way down to like the ocean floor. And it's, it's close to, I think, a thousand meters deep or something like that. And then they, they all, all along the way, along the descent, they're showing you how light uh, is, is slowly being, cut out like the different spectrums, the rays, you know, like the Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, how red is the first uh, spectrum, color spectrum of light that that uh, is removed. And then you keep going deeper until eventually you get into total total darkness, total blackness. And they, they do this really cool thing. They had shown a couple of animals that were bioluminescent, you know, how they can like glow underwater. But the interesting thing is, that in the darkness, the animals uh, that we perceive as glowing because we put light on them, the other things in the water at those depths don't see that. To them, it's just darkness or you know shapes or whatever. They don't because the light isn't there to reflect. They're not able to see it. So when they get down to the very bottom, they do this little thing, and it's it's really trippy, really interesting, really cool. And I thought, oh, this is so so good. They, they, uh, the, the guy, the main guy that's with them, 
he has them close their eyes for like a few seconds and then he like flashes the bright lights of the submarine off on and then off and then nothing really happens they do it i'm sorry if this is a spoiler alert um, <laughs> i didn't ruin the whole episode you just have to check this out um they do it again do it again till eventually uh they're like will and the other people that are in the submarines like three people their eyes adjust and then they're able to see something with their naked eye that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise and that is there is the the whole thing like their whole viewing thing in front of them absolutely lights up with all these like plankton and microbacteria and all this stuff and they all are have these bioluminescent features which means they can glow which is fascinating so it's like they're looking out of the submarine in, in, into the deepest darkest depths of the ocean and yet in front of them is all these little flashes of all different colors of light like and it's this beautiful beautiful like like otherworldly sort of thing it's so insane it's so cool you should watch it with your kids or watch it by yourself it's really really incredible by the way the the one scientist said something that i thought was i, I think i've heard this before maybe you've heard it but it just reminded me like how absolutely fascinating and incredible this planet and earth that we live on is where she said that uh, something something close to like 90% of life on earth is below water <laughs> and so as much incredible things and stuff and animals and and features on the surface of the earth that we see on dry land that's really just a tiny percentage of everything that's like down in the depths of the ocean like we're just a small portion of a much 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 larger life that in, inhabits this planet she also said that like i think something close to 80% of that 90% that's in the ocean has some sort of bioluminescence connected to it so when this thing that we look at we go oh wow it's so incredible oh, you know there's i know growing up in melbourne and even now you could go into the river in the indian river banana river whatever you want to call it which is this brackish water salt and freshwater mixing there's often um they call them noctia luca which is night lights which are these little bioluminescent plankton so you can go for, you can actually do this now i'm not sure about like if there's seasons that are some better than others but if you go into the indian river sometime now at in the evening at night and you get into the right places you can if you're paddling on a little canoe or something a little kayak stand up paddleboard you can put your oar into the water and then that water will light up and glow as you're pushing your oar through it it's really cool it's like um it's a bit it's a bit avatar-y you've seen avatar great movie it's awesome uh everything lights up at night like that's how our world actually is <laughs> in a lot of places it's so absolutely unreal so at the end of the episode uh will smith says a couple things that i thought were so great and and it was like oh has will smith been listening to my sermons has <laughs> either he stole my sermon or he's been listening to it i don't know so he says this right uh he, he was talking about his grandma and he said his growing up his grandma would say 
God places the best things in life on the other side of fear, right? So he's talking about being down in the darkness. And, and, and I, I think I've heard him use that quote before, just about life. You know, what, anytime we come to these places where, where we're facing some sort of anxiety or fear, trying something new, whatever, uh, his grandma says, God places the best things in life on the other side of fear. So it's only in going through that anxiety, that fear, that you get to the other side and you find the good thing. But then he also added, um, but he himself added, uh, that God also puts the brightest things in life on the other side of the darkness. So much so, we only really begin to see when we descend into the dark. How incredible is that? He also puts the brightest things in life on the other side of the darkness. So much so, we only really begin to see when we descend into the dark. I thought, oh, it's so brilliant. This is everything that we're talking about. And, and, and he's using it from this, this standpoint of, of he's connecting it to science and the ocean and being down in the darkness. But it fits so perfectly with everything that, that, you know, that I've been talking about over the past month with, with Christmas series and this connection to Christmas and to winter solstice and all this stuff. And it's the same basic idea that it's um, in the darkest time of the year, winter solstice, Christmas time, that it's only going into the darkness that we get to the other side. It's we've made it through the darkness and now there is the rebirth of the sun. It's uh, I've gone through the difficulty, the tragedy, the hurt, and those places aren't the places where grace and life and refreshment are going to die. You're not going to be stuck in the darkness forever, but rather these places are the places that grace will be reborn, where new life will be found, where new light will be found. That's the story that the early Christians were telling through this tradition of starting with the genealogy on the, on, on the 24th in the darkness. Look at what a mess we've made. Then later into the night, when there seems to be no hope, there is an angel appears with this proclamation. And then you get into the dawn of the day. There is this new light. There is this seeing. There is this movement from hoping to knowing. And then when you get into the fullness of day, you now experience everything that God intended you to experience. But it was only going through that darkness, through looking back at, at their genealogy, through realizing, man, I've really screwed up. Man, there's all these things that I've that that I've really done poorly with. It's only by going through that that you go through this process that leads you through the darkness and out to the other side. Right? How good is that? We only really begin to see when we descend into the dark. He would have never seen the bioluminescent creatures. He would have never seen them if he didn't take the risk, if he didn't um, brave overcome his fear in going into the darkness. If he would have avoided the darkness, he would have never seen this beautiful thing. So it's only in the descent that we begin to really see. That, to me, connects so beautifully with the story of Christmas. Yeah, the world was a mess. We are a mess. We acknowledge this. We do not run from it. We do not try to avoid it. We do not try to um, like glaze over it. We step into the darkness and we realize that that's the place that grace and life and light will be reborn. We only see when we descend into the darkness. Oh, it's so good. It's really, really incredible, This all this stuff. All right, my friends.
thank you so much for being here. It's been an awesome year. I hope that you've had a great one. I hope that 2022 will be a huge blessing for you that, um, that you will uh, experience life anew. I saw, I saw this thing the other day, some meme or something about the end of the year, and it was like looking forward to the year 2022 until you realize, and you'd have to see the spelling, but it was like, if you spell it out, it's 2022, T-O-O, as in <laughs> it's 2020 also, 2022, <laughs> which means they're not looking forward to a good year, which means they're looking forward to a terrible year, I guess. Uh, that's maybe a, a more pessimistic mindset and attitude. I hope that that will not be your year. I hope that you will not have that approach to this new year, but rather this new year will be filled with blessing and light and that you will not be afraid of the darkness, but you will know that it's only in the, in the descent that you will see that it's only walking through the darkness that new life and new light will be found. All right, my friends, this has been the Sneaky Emu signing off for the year 2021. Mom, thanks for listening. Guys, I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. God bless, and I'll talk to you later. We're here to unlearn. Teachings of the church time.